Hi, and welcome to the Brisk podcast series, Embrace, a podcast for survivors by survivors about sex and intimacy. This podcast is a six-part series, and you are listening to episode four, in which Olivia, Dilsa, and Kendra breach the subject of triggers. Each podcast has a main conversational component and an accompanying practice, where we take 10 to 15 minutes to learn a somatic practice that enables us to embody the concepts covered in our discussions. These processes were designed to be practiced alone, but they can be explored with a partner or in a group. Each topic is broken into two separate episodes so that you can revisit the practice as often as desired. As always, we would like to centre each episode by acknowledging country. Brisk is situated on Yagara and Turrbal country in Mianjin, or Brisbane. Brisk pays respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty over this land was never ceded, and we acknowledge the role that sexual violence played in the invasion and colonisation of this land. We acknowledge the role that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders play in ending gendered and sexual violence. We recognise the role that Indigenous ways of being, knowing and doing centre both healing and justice. We hope that you enjoy this series. Cool, so welcome to today's Embrace podcast episode. My name's Kendra um, and I'm here in the studio with Dilsa and Olivia. If you guys want to introduce yourselves. Hello everyone, my name is Dilsa. I'm 38 years old and I'm a survivor of violences. I'm Olivia, I'm 23 years old and I'm a survivor of incest. Welcome. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, sort of the concept of triggers, our experience with triggers historically, how it's shifted in the last year or so, where we're at with triggers now. I know that like triggers, I guess, have a particular, or the idea of being triggered has kind of a particular... I don't know, there's a lot that feels attached to it. It feels like a lot of cultural baggage is attached to that idea at the moment. Um, and obviously we worked with triggers thinking about them in a, a particular way during the Embrace group. Um, I guess I feel like it would be really helpful to start with, you know, d defining triggers, um, defining what they mean to you and like what, when you say that you've been triggered, like what does that mean? So for me, like, it's <clears throat> something or some, something somebody says or something somebody does. Mm -hmm. And it triggers me in a sense that I, my, my brain unconsciously is reacting to that other person's uh, action or words. And sometimes it's hard to control that reaction when we trigger us. That's the, that's the whole uh, thing. And yeah, that's that's what triggers is for me. Yeah, I think that for me, identifying a trigger is to compare it to how I would feel about something that's upsetting but not triggering. So like, it's easier to define a trigger for me if I think about it compared to how I would feel if something went wrong at work and I would be upset or frustrated versus a trigger where it feels very much on the edge of not being able to control it and it's mm. not something that I... It's often not something that I consciously truly believe in. So it's something that is kind of feels like it's happening independently of my true thoughts. 
Yes, because like um, I agree with what you just said. Because like sometimes it's things from the past, so it's not mm. who we are now, yeah. but unconsciously, like we just mm. still react to it, mm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it sounds like for for both of you, like a really key part of that definition is, um, yeah, this 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 reaction that it invokes that has an element of feeling you you feel uncontrolled or. I don't know, maybe that feels like a bit of a strong word, but there's an element of reaction to it that, that is almost even surprising for mm. you. Is that, yeah. Does that feel right? Yeah, Yeah. when we, you said live on the edge, it's like mm. kind of a survival thing. Yeah. That we're just like, yeah. just that reaction of survival. Mm. Like and independent of your, your thoughts or yes, your own beliefs. It, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And Dilsa, you, you talked about the word kind of unconscious. Um I'm wondering, and like it, it, it's an embodied response, hey? Like it's not, it's, is it just thought patterns or is it something that you sort of feel on multiple levels? Yeah, so that's nothing to do with the thought. That's really like that unconsciousness is from the body mm-hmm. and from like deep, deep in the body, in, in body in the body, really. And then that reaction, uh, we can't, we can't, uh, sometimes for myself in the past, I was completely disconnected from that feeling in the body that, that, so I couldn't even understand what was happening and um, and couldn't define or couldn't stop it because of that. So, yeah. I think being able to name them as triggers is really helpful because I relate to what you just said. Like in the past, that those kinds of feelings of why am I so upset? Why has something so mundane had such a big effect on me? And, oh, I'm just, I'm just upset. Mm. Whereas like... For me personally, being able to name them as triggers puts more weight to something. Like it, it makes it more understandable mm-hmm. that I'm having such a big reaction. So true. Sometimes I could even, I, I, I was reacting, but it's like I didn't know that was a trigger. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was just like, uh, I reacted out of a yeah, trigger. Yeah. Because I didn't know that word or I wasn't aware of, of that. Mm-hmm. So it's completely right. Yeah. Which kind of preempts, I guess, maybe part of the, yeah, the next part of the conversation I wanted to head towards around what, like, what was your approach to, to triggers historically? Like, it seems like, you know, the concept of triggers was kind of both introduced to you and, and changed things for you. But if you were going to sort of weave or paint a bit, a bit of your journey with thinking about triggers, where, where did you start? So for me, it's like understanding more of the brain pattern mm-hmm. and being in a, like study and, and, and talk with people about neu- neuroscience. And I think it gave me an, an interesting uh, view of how we function and then, then to be able then to, to, to understand and maybe to be more conscious of what's happening into me mm-hmm. and through that learning. And um, yeah, that for me, there was... Uh, and and trying through art or meditation to slow down mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding why I need to do this because of the brain then can control the triggers and be more conscious of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the same. I think understanding your brain patterns and, and kind of really realising that we just just got monkey brains that is going to function on instinct um, and the instinct is to keep you safe and if something comes up that triggers you, Mm-hmm. keeping you safe is whatever your reaction it happens to be, shutting down, running away, whatever. Um, and that's not 
that's just an instinct that's not necessarily um, right. Like that's not necessarily a pattern that I need to or even should keep repeating. Just got to not trust those monkey instincts. Mm. <laughs> and something I wanted to say today is like um, not seeing triggers as negative all the time. Mm. I feel like what you just said was right, like to see that survival monkey brain and then embrace it to say, yeah, that's the survival and have compassion for, for it. I think if we don't have that compassion and love and understanding the survival, we can't even overcome the the past, uh, our past history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just wanted to, to jump in to clarify, I guess, for maybe some of the listeners, you're both kind of referencing brain patterns and survival brain and I know there's a lot of sort of knowledge underneath that about about trauma would mm. either of you care to to like explain what you mean by sort of yeah brain patterns and, and survival brain and and those things and how they play into kind of this idea of triggers yeah so so for me it's like some so coming from a man, that could be a word, that can be a phrase, that can be uh, an attitude, and it will trigger something that because of, for me, there was my ex-husband, um, um, uh, I was victim of, and um, so I was living with him every day. So little things of everyday life that will have a... a, a similarity or kind of or the same words or that could be an international voice there can be something and bam the brain will say oh be careful it's the same mm. as so the brain is quick uh to compare and to say oh it's like the past be careful because mm. so it's a that survival of oh uh it's the same as the past so it's gonna something the same is gonna can happen mm-hmm. and that's that survival like to compare and to and the brain is there to save us like because uh, you know it may be uh, uh, very extreme situations mm-hmm. but uh, we're not we always as presently we're always in different situation whether our brain notices or, or not yeah. just as a, that could be just a tone of a voice of somebody yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think it's the same much the same as how we learn anything like learning at university I know that if I repeat something, that's how I best learn. That's how Mm -hmm. I can forge that pathway in my brain. That's how my brain clicks onto something. And so it's the same kind of logic behind it. Like I, through my experiences, knew that when one of my male perpetrators would come home, I knew what to do to keep myself as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. And so over time that forges a pathway that's, hard to turn off Mm. um and I think that's part of learning about triggers and your own triggers and what to do is that there's absolutely no space to make fun of or you know be upset at the pathways that you've learned in a toxic Mm. environment to Mm. keep yourself safe but you do need to be able to recognize at some point that you're not in that environment anymore mm. and the pathways that have kept you, kept you safe in that environment are no longer needed. Exactly. And, but there's such power in that. Like I don't need to be afraid or I don't need to do that thing anymore. True. Um, and that's, yeah, that's like a really empowering thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you said, uh, I mean, for me it was for 14 years, but mm. some people that can be just that one time. Mm-hmm. It's still like for me that 14 years was like the beginning of my adulthood. 
Mm. It's like it's so deep into me, like uh, in the past, that it took me at least five to six years to get out of that pattern and to understand. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Yeah, I relate to that because yeah, for the same, I was my perpetrators were all relatives, and I was a child. It started when I was a child and went on until I was able to leave home. Okay. So that's such a your brain is just a pile of mush when you're that age. Like mm -hmm. all you're built for is retaining information mm -hmm. and learning how the world works and learning how you work within the world and how you work within a family unit and for you, like how you work within a marital unit. Mm. And so you are just so susceptible to learning that that's the way of exactly. life. And yeah. then, of course, you know, it's not a shock that you're triggered by something that seems like that, you know. Similar. Yeah. And because that's... You as a child, me as a young uh, woman, lady, mm. uh, that's what we think it's going to be the rest of our life at yeah, first absolutely. because we're enclosing that and that's quite, you know, like we feel alone in that. Mm. And then to get out of that, take time and then start talking about it, take time and then reflect with others. Say, oh, no, that, that, that's not the, the reality. That's not that's toxic. And mm. to understand all of that. It takes so much time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And the the way you both talk about triggers um, is kind of like the foundational concept is is as though they're related to safety, yeah? That's like what I'm hearing you. Mm. Triggers as this thing that sort of this mechanism that we develop <laughs> to remind us about our sense of safety and guide us towards safety, hey? Yes, in, the, in that situation and then our brain think it's still the same situation when, whereas it's not. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does it, I'm curious, does it surprise you even now sort of how hardwired some of those triggers are? Like, I don't know if we ever be uh, free of triggers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's human to have triggers, mm. right? I suppose. Yeah. For any, so uh, yeah. and I mean, <laughs> maybe for us uh, it's even deeper because we are the, Ex these extreme experiences yeah. mm. but in general I think triggers is part of the a human experience and we have to we have to go with the wave I don't know how to say it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. And, absolutely and Liv you said something before that I wanted to come back to this almost sense of resistance maybe that you you had towards triggers previously like you know, you're sort of referencing this idea that um, triggers were there to keep you safe and mm. therefore you can't be mad at them. Mm. Um, you can, uh, you know, I'm assuming sort of feel frustrated with them and acknowledge how they may not be serving you now um, and, and work with kind of changing them, reshaping them. I'm, I'm curious about that, that idea and that kind of reframe around you know, like not not feeling frustrated at your triggers, but really kind of honoring them as as keeping you safe. Mm. Can you, like, what? When did that idea sort of strike you, and and how did it change things for you? Yeah, I think probably it started around when we did embrace together. Mm -hmm. um, but it just takes so much effort to be mad at yourself. <laughs> just so so draining to constantly be upset at something that you really don't have that much control over. Like whether I get triggered by something is a lot up. It's got not much to do with me as a logical, thoughtful human being. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was a huge act of defiant self-love to be okay with being triggered 
and okay with the kind of language around it because I think especially at the moment when we've got this culture of like you know saying I'm triggered as the punchline of a joke Mm -hmm. it's really hard to use that language as something genuine and serious and especially with yourself and I'm a bit of a cynical person to begin with so it feels difficult to kind of reappropriate that word and Mm -hmm. reclaim that word as something genuine but I think yeah I think it feels more empowering to do that now Mm -hmm. it feels like an act of yeah defiance against all of you know the system and the society that perpetuates those jokes that enable the kinds Mm. of abuses that we've suffered Mm. it feels it feels good to be able to stand up to that and say not in my house (laughs) not Mm. under my roof Mm. yeah yes Yes. Did did you have a similar experience, Dilsa? Like you know, to to what Olivia was referencing in terms of going through a phase of feeling like frustrated with yourself for being triggered, or you know, even if you didn't have the language at that point, frustrated with yourself for reacting in that way, and and then like to a, a place of kind of reframing it and going, oh, actually, that's kind of related to my survival. Yes. Um before really understanding that that was a link to my past. So I I couldn't really figure out how to work that out, how to manage the triggers, you know. Mm. And um, more I learned, more I was able to define, oh, that's the trigger because of this, that, and that. When you can name something Mm -hmm. and when you can put, you know, like an image or when you can put a story to that trigger Mm -hmm. and then you can just let that go, you know, because do that work of um, between the past and the present to then be able to go into that future without that trigger. But it's, it takes, like, there's always a there's always a, a different timing between the brain understanding and then the body uh, embodying the, the, the what we understood. Mm-hmm. So it just takes that time, and I think that's just patience with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It just takes so long, and we don't know how. And still now, I'm still working with my some of my triggers, and that can be related to so many other things. But it just takes time between understanding why we have to let that go too, mm-hmm. and 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 understanding like. That's not useful to me anymore. Mm. But to be able to do that, it's just, uh, I had to understand what that was I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to learn that, you have to be in touch with others and learn from others. And in some situation at first, when you come out of a relationship, for myself, there was a relationship like that. We are very isolated because my ex-husband, uh, they are people, uh, any perpetrator, they are people that isolate ourselves. So we completely cut mm. from ourselves and cut from others. So it takes time to start meeting the right people and, mm-hmm. and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which was going to kind of lead into to my next question around, um, yeah, like how, and, and we've already sort of started discussing this from kind of, you know, where you were, historically with how you thought about triggers how did that change during embrace and I guess like a follow-up question in terms of what you're just talking about Dilso is Mm -hmm. like how how important is that piece around if you are triggered in the present Mm -hmm. that that sort of exploratory piece around going what does this relate to why am I triggered how important does that feel and, and what does that change 
Oh, yeah, for me, it's very important to be able to reflect. And mm-hmm. for me, reflection is like a big thing for me. I'm an introvert and I need that time of reflection and I need to, I need to have that peacefulness to reflect. So mm-hmm. that's why I couldn't reflect when I was into that relationship. So I had to get out and then start reflecting. So Embrace gave me that space and meeting other women that could give me that space of reflection together and holding space and not be judgmental too, mm-hmm. finding this you know environment is not so easy and for me reflection and be aware and play with it you know understanding and 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 um and and go back in the past without that negative side it's just like accepting accepting that we i experienced that and accepting that now i'm out of it acknowledging that i am also doing a change for myself so i think it's just a lot of acceptance of mm-hmm. the past and a lot of um, um, relating to others. So there's a mix of different tools that we need to to have to be, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. overcome certain uh, triggers. Yeah. Yes. I think something in my experience that I've found to be really difficult is that because I was a young person when I experienced abuse and because I have large amounts of PTSD from it, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of really solid memories. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have, and so often if I, often in the past, if I have felt triggered, I don't necessarily have an exact event that I can pin that to. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this has upset me because of this. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always happen. Actually doesn't often happen at all because I don't have solid memories of what happened. And I think that's why this kind of like body-based somatic work is so helpful to me is because while my brain doesn't have that memory mm-hmm. your body is a vessel right like of it carries course. everything that's happened to it you know if you've got if you've had surgery you've got a scar if you've been through abuse your body holds on to that mm-hmm. and there's something in me that remembers mm-hmm. and so that's why this was so helpful is because I don't always have the mental connection mm-hmm. I just have a physical connection I can relate to that that because like for me in when I say embracing the triggers, it's also not be disconnected mm. anymore to myself. Mm. And I, I can relate to that. It's like at some point in my life, I didn't even feel my body, mm. you know? And it's yeah. like, what? And I'm just, after six years now, I'm just starting really being subtle, sort of, very subtle that to feel when it's right or wrong. Yeah. And, and yeah. it just takes so much exercise and awareness and yeah, patience definitely. with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that, Olivia. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's like for so long being inside your body wasn't a safe place to be. It no. wasn't a good place to be. So, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it's definitely hard to get back in touch with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's such a good point, Olivia, around um, there, yeah, like there can be this instinct to kind of maybe when it comes to triggers – to do that kind of more cognitive reflection and try mm. to kind of piecemeal experiences mm. together yeah. and, and create a narrative for yourself, which yeah. is, you know, super helpful, but also that's not totally not possible for, mm-hmm. for all survivors. Yes. And, and so when I guess maybe this is a good, good part to sort of dip into and, you know, really explore how, how we thought about triggers and embrace and, and what, like, what are your sort of recollections of the group and and the learnings, the somatic learnings around dealing with triggers? Like what changed for you there? Yeah, I think learning what it felt 
physically to be triggered because mm-hmm. I know what it feels like. I know I feel sad or scared or whatever, but the physical parts in my body, mm-hmm. carrying tension, feeling sweaty or like mm-hmm. your stomach is in knots, that's not something that I've always listened to because mm-hmm. of yeah what we said, like your body, it's hard to be near sometimes. Um, and so being able to learn that because I think that for me, the physical stuff happens before the mental stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if I can take note that I'm sweaty or itchy or my stomach is tense, then I can jump in with an action plan mm. before it gets to mm-hmm. the point where my mind just does whatever it wants to do. <laughs> yes. And that, that felt really big to be able to learn that because then it can be a preventative thing where yeah. I have the feeling, I take a breath, I do my action plan mm-hmm. and I can breathe through it and even maybe learn something at the end of it rather than just only realizing I'm triggered when I'm triggered mm. and then it feels too far gone. Yeah. So it's just like you've really connected to all these little signs. Attempting to, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. just amazing to be able to do that because like, you don't let it go too far. Mm. Yeah, you know? that's the goal, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm curious um, <clears throat> around, you know, if, if either of you kind of feel like sharing, Liv, you already have a little bit. I know, like, you know, all, all triggers are different and, and the way, you know, if we're triggered about certain sort of subjects or experiences or whatever, the way we embody or feel that trigger might be different. But, yeah, I'm curious if, if you guys could talk to or name, yeah, kind of like common signs or experiences you have kind of embodied experience, Liv, you're talking about your stomach being in knots and, and sweating. I think, yeah, putting putting kind of specific language to sort of the signs that we notice can feel important because I know – <clears throat> you know, somatics can often feel like this very far away concept to people who are just introduced to mm. it. We can talk about it <clears throat> as being in touch with your body, but I think mm. that can still feel really fuzzy and intangible. And so when we start explaining, oh, I feel I feel knots in my stomach or I feel sweaty, that people go, okay, yeah. Um, it, like are those, are those your most common signs, Liv? Um, I think, yeah, I think my stomach and my chest, like kind of the core of me just feels wrong like it just and that's probably not super helpful but feels tense and like almost like I'm sick like Mm. almost physically unwell but it it kind of starts in my stomach and travels up to my chest and it feels tight and like um like a rubber band that's trying to expand in a box like it's just not quite reaching the space that it needs to Mm -hmm. like constricted and yeah kind of sick and churning yeah. yeah yeah me too i mean like i'm still working on really to be aware of some of the signs because i'm still like i'm still not uh, i think I, yeah still working you know how to be mm. really connected it's really sometimes so subtle and mm. it's so like but for what i experienced like recently it's really like you it's just going in the you know between the the stomach between the middle and the the um, the, the the upper chest mm. and really feeling like that oh something is wrong and I'm mm. feeling a bit sick and that 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 tension around there that mm. I can feel and then sometimes I mean like sometimes it's just like it just goes so fast I'm just like sometimes 
bursting in cry and just mm-hmm. like <gasps> it's just like uh, yeah. that breath and, uh, and I don't know how to deal with it because yeah. it just goes so fast mm-hmm. the reaction between yeah. the you know the body reaction between mm-hmm. the mind and the body yeah. that I can't control it so it's mm-hmm. just a lot of bursting in cry and sometimes I just don't I just don't know why I'm just mm. You know, so that's that's really signs for me, like so when I burst, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can really, for listeners, I can really see, like Dilsey, you're gesturing a lot, and it's kind yeah. of just like outward motion and gesturing, like yeah, that energy of going, like, and that breath, you know, like, and then it's just coming out, like, and 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 you don't know what to do with it, so it's just like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and. Sometimes it's very subtle. That's why it's so important to to be in tune with ourselves yeah. because we don't know how really subtle we are as human mm. beings. And it's like our body's trying. Uh, the body reacts before the, the 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 mind. So that's why I think what you just said before is so important to to the, you listen to all the legal signs yeah. and all that tension mm-hmm. or sweatiness. Like I just like it's so small and look like nothing, but it's so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hard work. Yes. <laughs> hard work. Noticing all of that and also just engaging with it. Like, mm. so my stomach is in the knots. Like, do we really have to do this here? Do we really, <laughs> really have to do this now? Like, can we just ride this out? But it just, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, I wanted to come back to, to that as well, Liv. You kind of, when you were describing what it feels like for you, um, you kind of reference almost this this choice point, yeah? Like, which I feel like is kind of maybe the, the edge that somatics gives to when we're thinking about triggers is, okay, so if if there's time and space, you're sort of noticing and, and getting attuned to these cues that's saying a trigger's emerging. And it's like, it, it sounds like there's space that's created there that gives you a little bit more choice, a little bit more space to, to do something rather mm-hmm. than just like, you know, fully kind of, be immersed or taken mm. over by this trigger is that yeah does that sound accurate yeah it's uh, it's definitely a process like it's not it's a fine science I don't think I've got it nailed yet mm-hmm. but it is when it goes well that's what it's like yeah yeah to be able to just step in just before it reaches critical mass yeah mm. and to be able to yeah act on it which I think is part of why it's so helpful to have a trigger plan in place mm before you get triggered because in that moment I'm not thinking anything intelligent I couldn't have a thought if I tried to think it Mm. like it's and so if I have a plan before I get to that point Mm. then maybe on a good day I can scale it all down yes yes Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. and acknowledging like you said on a good day yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) because like we can be in a day where we're just too tired Mm. or we're not feeling that space to do that plan. And it's so so hard to acknowledge, like we can be hard with us and say, oh, Mm. again, let that trigger, you know, overwhelm me. And, Mm. you know, but I think it's that, that's what it's hard is that sometimes we just can't. Yeah, definitely. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, learning to just be okay with not being okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That old thing. Yeah, it definitely is helpful. Yeah. And I think, you know, acknowledging the pace of triggers can really change, like the mm. pace of a trigger yeah. that where you have kind of a choice point to, to move with and work with versus a trigger where it's just like, boom. Yeah. Like yes. it just happens and there's no yes. time. You- yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Like sometime like in the past, I was like, every day I was triggered, every day I have flashback, every day, you know, mm-hmm. it's staring and it's just like, you 
makes you so tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's, just, it's really going a bit more apart, you know, mm. like for, like related to that past experiences. Yeah. So it's just good to acknowledge that too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and one of the points we've we've raised in in one of our discussions is kind of like this this binary notion of being triggered versus untriggered, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are these two totally separate states. And I mean, you know, we have we have obviously those experiences are real where triggers mm-hmm. can come on sort of in a millisecond and we're mm. sort of in them. But I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts around like are there these medium spaces where we're kind of triggered or is your experience always that it it's fully immersive or what? I think now with with the time that I had to reflect, I mean that time I had to uh, I work on myself for the last five six years. When I'm triggered, I'm in that middle space where oh yeah, this is like shit, mm-hmm. but I still can control it mm-hmm. because I'm not going there with you again. You know, mm-hmm. on that path. You know, I'm not going. I'm saying that to my mind. I'm just like that's the past. Stay to the past. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easier. So I think that's middle ground that we saying, Kendra, mm-hmm. is that is that we can control it and play with it. Like play. That's maybe a wrong term, but saying. We can talk to us and say, "Oh, uh, we are. We can. We are still triggered, but mm-hmm. it's not controlling us anymore." Mm-hmm. In that, in that sense, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's definitely a middle space for me. Like I could go, like I could experience something in the morning that is inherently triggering, but then not have a reaction mm-hmm. for the day until nighttime. Like, mm-hmm. oh. and it, it might just come back, and it might just hover around for the day but not really reach critical mass mm. until night time. I think there's definitely a middle space yeah. where it just feels wrong, just feels ick. Mm-hmm. And But, like, yeah, I think that's hard as well because then what, you know, like I'm not fully triggered. Do I do the plan? Do I – what do I do? Like mm-hmm. what do I need to do to make myself safe in this space mm-hmm. versus if I'm – yeah, in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 you can you are you at a place where you feel like you can sense that, like that that middle ground, and have those days where you're going, oh yeah, I can I can I can kind of feel that something's a little bit off today, or yeah, I think so. Like I think it's all exhausting, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think for me, yeah. Just being aware that there is a middle ground, mm-hmm. like that it's okay to not be functioning fully, mm. but still recognize that I'm upset because mm. I like I'm quite a action person. Like I, mm-hmm. I, and so if I'm performing poorly, that's because something's happened this morning that's upset me. And just because I haven't had a full scale reaction to it doesn't mean that it was nothing. Doesn't mean that it's unreasonable for me to now be spacey and off. Yeah, and I completely understand. Yeah. Sometimes you just follow the day and you're just in that space for the day. Yeah. And that energy is a bit lower. Mm. And I completely understand you. It, yeah. it feels the same, like, for me, that, that middle space that, like, we didn't burst out. Mm. <laughs> and the energy is still there, mm. you know. And uh, we have to, that's that patience I was talking before, like, we have to have with ourselves that yeah. patience that yeah. get. To 
to accept that. Yeah. I suppose. Um, I think it's really useful to sort of to to name that there can be this sort of middle space with triggers because I think that you know the way we've started to talk about triggers, the way Liv you already referenced, kind of you know the notion of triggers or the concept of triggered as being this this sort of bad thing implies that trigger is this really strong, prominent, full-on kind of re- reaction that, that, that stops you, mm. that, like, you know, you, you have to be with it and deal with it. And I think that that, um, that isn't always useful. I think it can, it's, it's really important to kind of have language to acknowledge, like, different states of it. Um, and I guess, you know, on that note, I'm also wondering, like, do maybe this is a weird way of phrasing it, but like, do your, do your triggers have different textures? Like if you're triggered about, you know, A versus B, do you notice that that feels different or do do they usually sort of manifest in a similar way or? Good question. Uh, Texture. (laughs) It's a good question. You know, I'm a very visual person. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to say. I think it might be different based on the situation or based on what has triggered me. Mm-hmm. So like if I've been triggered by a flashback compared to if I've been triggered by being touched by a doctor, mm-hmm. both of those, yeah. not a fan, neither mm-hmm. of those are a good time, but it does. Feels inhi- different. Yeah. It inhibits a different space. Yes. For me. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think it's all about the context. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Mm. I think we have to take that into consideration, Mm. that context. Yes. Can can you explain that a little bit more? Like when you say it inhibits like a different space or there's a a noticeable difference, what's that like? I think maybe the severity of it, but also how much I'm still present in my body. Mm -hmm. So for me... Part of being triggered feels like I am just one second out of step with my physical body, like a video game, like I'm just lagging a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so that's a physical part of it. And so the extent that I feel that if I am intimate with my partner and I have an intrusive memory, that's going to be really strong Mm -hmm. versus if I'm being touched intimately by a doctor mm. still sucks mm. but different space mm-hmm. yeah different level I think. Mm-hmm. and different reactions for me too you know different reactions for example sometimes i eat food without that's my disconnection whether that's a flashback and i'm at home or if i'm outside i might go on my mobile or i might go or, sh- or if i'm at the library i should study i'm on my mobile i go and do phone calls because i'm just like just Want to disconnect mm-hmm. with myself, mm-hmm. you know, like this different way we react to yeah. to 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 different contexts and and triggers mm-hmm. too. That's the reaction too that we can have. So mm-hmm. yeah, the context makes it makes it. Uh, I think that's the first um, that's the first thing to take uh, mm-hmm. into consideration there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm also curious because you've both kind of referenced this idea that. Um, you know, being, you know, being triggered in the present, there's, there's, there can be a learning to it. Like, okay, you've been triggered. Um, 
now I can sort of derive some more information from it. Maybe you said something about that earlier. What what is that like? This idea that okay, like if if we have been triggered, what can we learn from it, or what do you look for when you're sort of thinking about that experience? Yeah, that's like the like sometimes I feel like oh. I still got that old belief into me. Oh, mm-hmm. it's still there. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I thought um, I was uh, hid from it. Like, I don't, you know, that's like, so what we can learn from it, from it like you were saying, Liv, is, is for me, is that, like, where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know, in on my, there's a, there's a scale, you know, where I'm at in the past, with the past, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm more into the present or more into the future or still very much in the past in certain area. I sometimes, um, a certain pattern of thinking mm-hmm. so it's it's very interesting to see uh where i'm at really for me it's that yeah i think it's like what we were talking about at the start if your neuro pathways are formed by mm. violent experiences if it takes a hundred violent experiences to form that pathway it takes a thousand positive experiences mm-hmm. to replace that pathway oh, yeah. like inherently they're just not a good experiences in my experience not as powerful as a violent or upsetting experience. Mm -hmm. So the thing to learn from triggers is that you just, you've just got to keep doing it. You've just got to Mm. keep being in that experience and learning. This is okay. I'm not in danger Mm -hmm. and then replacing them. And it takes forever, Mm. you know, for the rest of our lives. Mm. For me, I think that that will be a thing that I'm going to have to learn, but it's just replacing those pathways with positive pathways. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But that's, I, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that idea of 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 a pro, like you know approaching a recent trigger as kind of with a sense of curiosity, yes. like a learning. Yeah. That's I feel like that that's yes. pretty new. That's a new piece I think for probably a lot of listeners out there. Is yeah, like you re- relating to sort of our discussions earlier, not being hard on yourself, not yeah. being, you know, whatever comes up, the shame, the sadness. Exactly. Also holding this this bit around curiosity and going, okay, there's learning here, yeah. Because if we take it as a negative thing, we're going we're gonna to want to go away from it. We're going to mm. want to disconnect from it, mm-hmm. which to heal, we need to get connected with it and, 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 and learn from it. Mm-hmm. So that. That curiosity is that positiveness, if I can call it that way, mm-hmm. that curiosity about it and that learning path. And like you said, leave to do to uh, to reconstruct the um, you know the brain pattern mm-hmm. um, and to have all that positive um, 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 around it, you know, yeah. and positive actions to rebuild mm-hmm. the yeah. um, brain pattern is very important. So we, I suppose we have to to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Um, so my next question is around sort of strategies. Like, Liv, you know, you've referenced this kind of having a bit of an action plan. Dilsa, you referenced being an introvert and, and needing, you know, time and space in a way. What, how would you name your strategies in terms of either being at that choice point around, okay, I'm, I'm about to be triggered, what, what am I going to do now? And also that that after period of being like, okay, I've just had this experience. My body's probably, you know, physically exhausted and drained. How am I looking after myself? What, what is working for you now? And I, I, I fully recognize that 
you know, this is just a small little slice and you've probably employed like hundreds of strategies, you know, in, in the past and probably will find new strategies yeah. in the future. But what what's working now? So for me before, it's like really like every day I do a bit of meditation and art. It's for the last few months it's been really helping me. And when I'm triggered, it's really, as an introvert, that was a, big, big uh, thing for me to start talking and communicating to others, you know, no, you know, that no, and that's like putting boundaries and that, that, that expressing my feeling because sometimes as an introvert, it's really, it's not coming out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to express it. And um, so it's learning the language and also as English is not my first language, it's even that barrier sometimes mm -hmm. and, you know, and or I put that bias into my mind too, and so um, yeah, last few months I helping myself mm -hmm. to at the time because if I didn't express the what I feel and what I want, you know, or don't want, uh, afterward I feel even more like shit, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm saying, oh, what did you do? Why mm -hmm. you didn't do that? Why you didn't say that? You know, you're not adult. You you can't express it. You know, you you I beat myself up even more. Mm. So to be able to live better that trigger that communication mm -hmm. is really been keen for me, and I feel very liberated when I can do this. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. And mm -hmm. then the after trigger, I feel better if I was able to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that communication piece still so. Either like when when you are triggered, communicating that to to whoever you're with, and also afterwards the checking in after and yes. saying this is yeah. But sometimes it's just like okay. Sometimes it's still a bit delay. You know, mm -hmm. somebody is doing something and it's just like mm, I'm checking with myself: is it right? Is it wrong for me? And then it can take that could be a few minutes or that can be a few hours, and then I come back mm -hmm. to that person because as an introvert, sometimes we need a bit more time, mm -hmm. and and like and then. Still say to the person, don't say, oh, leave it now. You know, like mm -hmm. sometimes just in the past, oh, leave it, don't say anything, it's gone. No, mm -hmm. boss you mm -hmm. and, and, and not, don't give up on, on myself. I think that's that, not giving up on myself and mm -hmm. what I want or don't want and express it. Because mm -hmm. it makes a big difference. Like mm -hmm. I saw in people's reaction, like, oh, wow, okay, mm -hmm. she don't like it, okay, I respect that. You mm -hmm. know, like, mm -hmm. and, and I learned a lot that if you, you don't express that, and if you don't, um, people won't respect you. Mm -hmm. Or they won't know they're disrespecting you. Or they won't know they're triggering you if yeah. you don't say it. Mm -hmm. yeah. They won't know how to respect you. Exactly. So that's big learning for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, sure. And, and giving yourself, you know, in that communication, permission to be clunky. Like it's it's those conversations yeah. are messy, mm. yeah. And no matter how many you've had, like they can still be far from perfect. Exactly. I think you know, for instance, like you know, when I've had those experiences, I put a lot of pressure on having you know, building that conversation up. This pressure to to have it in this in this perfect way, and that actually mm. prevents me from having the conversation sometimes. Ah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So for me, like the the permission to be clunky mm. and and to for the conversation to not go perfectly feels big. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. real. It's wow, we're not mm. perfect. <laughs> yeah. And what about for you, Liz? I think what you were saying with the permission to be clunky in conversations, I find that a lot of the kind of recommended coping mechanisms for triggers I find difficult because I'm bad at it <laughs> like art 
that's awesome and that makes me feel good. But also if I'm really upset and I try and do art and it's not good, I'm just – I just can't take another hit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so making it suit you, I think. So if I've been really upset or triggered – I just scribble on a page in colors that I like. Like it doesn't have to be good. Mm-hmm. Same thing with meditation. Like just not very good at it if I've had a bad day because mm. my brain's really loud. So just sitting down with music instead mm. or just sitting down and looking at a tree instead mm. and letting myself be bad at stuff, mm-hmm. especially when you're in that headspace, like you're not going to perform at your best. No. Um, and so I think for me, I t- try and I tend to go towards coping mechanisms that are more physical. So I feel out of my body when I'm triggered. So I do things that put me back in it. So mm-hmm. getting someone to apply really hard pressure helps. Mm. Like pushing into your back with your fingers kind of gathered together in a point and stimulating that deep tissue, having a really, really hot shower, mm. eating something that's really spicy, mm. having a mint or a warhead. Okay. Because that brings me back into what's happening now, what's happening with my body right now, Mm. not what has happened to my body. Mm. And I think also for me, you can't really be bad at that stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that helps, I think, Mm -hmm. for me. But I think also that's if it's a lower level. So if I've had a really kind of explosive trigger, it's tiring to be triggered. Like to go through that takes it out of you. Mm -hmm. And so I have... Like my girlfriend and I just kind of just call it like the baby bird plan. So just treat me like a baby bird. Put me somewhere warm, somewhere (laughs) soft and safe. I like to put a movie or a TV show on Mm -hmm. and just look after me on the very basic level. Like you would a baby bird that you found. Like make sure I'm fed and watered. But other than that, just let me lay there. Mm -hmm. Just let me be very still and very quiet Mm -hmm. and it'll come back eventually and then then I can learn from it. Then I can mm. talk about it. Then I can meditate or whatever. But like that just take a space. second. Yeah. Yes. Hey, yes. Just hold yes. space for being yeah. a lump. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think I really like um yeah, this idea that, you know, well while art works for some, it may not work for others mm. because we have, you know, um, you know, performance anxiety about it or whatever. Mm. Like this idea that um, you can kind of like Google like what to do when triggered kind of actually doesn't really work. Like yeah. it sounds like both of your plans or ways that you cope are like are very, very personalized. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it takes like ages to even know what will work for. Yeah, definitely. You know, like mm-hmm. I tried so many things and yeah. even now maybe I, like you said, can work now and then in one month uh, I need something else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, like it could change over the space of a month, but it could also change over the space of a day. Like what mm. worked 20 minutes ago yeah. isn't going to work now. Yeah. And that is so frustrating and you're allowed to be annoyed at it, but also that's okay. Like that's <laughs> just part of it. Like mm-hmm. We have not, to be flexible. Not, yeah, like you're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. That it's not helping. Like it's just part of the ride (laughs) which which leads me kind of I guess to to one of the last questions for today around where I I mean we've implicitly talked about this throughout but where where are you at with triggers now like what either good or bad like are there things that that you're feeling really proud of are there things that are feeling hard what 
What's going on? I'm September 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like less flashback. I don't have any more flashback of the past. And uh, it's more it's more working on some beliefs. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's more on some beliefs, and um, I don't know, it's still there, but I think I, I can control them a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit more. Yeah. Can I can I clarify, Dilsa? So yeah. so you're saying, kind of maybe the the physical manifestations have changed or subdued, but yes. there's some of those like core beliefs that are, I'm imagining closely linked to the the triggers are still. You're working on them in a new way. Yes, is that right? exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I think something that I'm struggling with at the moment is to just be loud about how I'm feeling. Oh. And because, it, you know, in my experience, the safest way to exist was to take up as little space as possible mm. because then maybe they'll forget you're there. Mm. And so taking learning that I have a right to space I have a right to take up space and if I'm feeling terrible on the inside I don't necessarily need to look okay on the outside Mm. like I can if I'm in a safe place and it's not hurting anyone else to do so like I can just blow up that's just allowed like Mm -hmm. I can take up as much space as I feel that I need so that's a hard lesson to learn but then also there's good stuff like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing way less intrusive memories that was a huge thing. That's been a big learning journey, and I'm proud of myself for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, like, like for me, it's still like the communication. Mm. Like because in in the past, like oh, I won't say nothing, or when I burst, it sounds so aggressive. Mm. So it's to be able to be that middle ground mm. and be really myself, grounded in myself, and and be listened to, and and so it's just that that challenge too that I like. Uh, every situation, I'm gonna speak. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like promise to myself. You know, yeah, like that's awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, because like afterward, if you don't do it, it just feels so bad. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'm proud of myself for that as yeah. well. Being able to speak up. Yeah, but that's a challenge. That's still a challenge. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, you know, I th- I really value the the kind of conversations around. You know, what what are you more comfortable with? What have you overcome and then what's the next because I think it's really normalizing that there's always a next piece Mm. and you know this isn't limited to sort of you know healing or recovering from trauma it's just kind of the human experience of learning and expanding right yes but I think um and and often the next piece is kind of like rebelling against the piece we've just learned right (laughs) like you know we've learned how to be small we know how to do that so the next piece is swinging the other way and it's kind of this constant yeah yes and then going to the extreme yeah. <laughs> as a reaction. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this brings us pretty much to the end. Is there, I'm just, yeah, is there any last sort of thing you want to share on the, on the topic of triggers that you feel it's important for sort of listeners to know or? Uh, for me, it's like, like you said, the baby bird, I like that little picture of baby bird treatment. I think like if we see somebody trigger, that sometimes there's nothing to say. Yeah. And most times there's yeah. nothing to say. It's just being there for the other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that the other one is really feeling that they mm. got that, that person to just lean on, mm. you know, and, and not do anything 
that just being there is enough, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a fr- good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe as a supporter mm. of someone who is triggered, like it's okay to just not know what's happening. It's sure. okay to not feel confident in how to treat that person. But, yeah, just be aware that you don't always have to do anything. Yes. And that you just need to take all of your cues from the person who is in that situation. Yeah. Just take a breath. Yeah. Just go slowly as a team. Like it's you. Exactly. Yeah, you guys versus the problem together. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Brisk podcast series, Embrace. If you enjoyed this episode, please move on to either the practice for episode four, titled Memories Are Just Guests, or move on to episode five, titled Consent. If you are located in Australia and are looking for sexual violence support, you can contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or Blue Knot on 1300 657 380. You can find Brisk's contact details in the show notes or online.